Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. You're cleared to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic One, Oscar Mike. What's up, military millionaires? I'm your host, David Bray, and today we have yet another exciting episode. Today we are bringing to you Andrew Abernathy, who is a wizard of self-storage. They have over $250 million worth of storage, either owned, under construction, or under management, and they are just absolutely crushing it across the southwest portion of the United States. He's a originally a farmer from North Dakota. And so we're going to talk about going from farm boy to soon to be bajillionaire, but you know, millionaire through self-storage and kind of the journey they're in. And as you can tell by looking at the gentleman, he's not that old. So this is going to be good, right? Because this is out and, and, and we're going to talk about vertical integration, which I love and if you don't know what that is, you should stay tuned because it's going to be a good time. So, Andrew, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, thank you so much. It's an honor to be on. Absolutely. Why don't you uh, you want to just paint the the picture of how you, uh, I mean, you grew up on a farm, right? So, and you still have yep. Abernathy Farms on your on your website. Yep. But what's the what's the connect from from farming to to self storage? <laughs> kind of what's that what's that journey, right? I don't I don't know that those normally go hand in hand. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, so basically when I was 10 years old, my dad knew that I was pretty obsessed with business and numbers and finance. And he had me marketing grain on the family farm. I was running combine grain cart, working at the local John Deere dealership, anything to make an extra buck. Uh, saved 4,000 bucks up by the time I was about 13. Uh, went into the market after it crashed. The recession you know, had it crashed down and I got pretty lucky timing, went in, then bought some real estate in Bismarck, North Dakota. Then the oil boom hit and I was able to make a million dollar profit for myself and one other guy that jumped in with me, an investor. And then after that, that's kind of when I created Abernathy Holdings and went and raised, you know, today we've raised well over 80 million in capital, but you know, that's kind of when it all started back when I was a senior in high school after that first exit. And, uh, I started, <laughs> yeah, and I started farming though, to answer that question, I started farming in 10th grade with my my brother in high school. And then, uh, in 2014, so I would have been about a year into college. The Abernathy Holdings was getting my side hustle from four grand was getting too big. So I had to, uh, be, just be a silent partner in the farm and go, go full-time in Abernathy Holdings in this, in the real estate business, not yet storage storage hadn't started at that point yet. Yeah. Okay. So hang on the first million dollar exit was, as a senior, in I high mean, school? I got I got a half a million from that, but then I had some other projects. I mean, technically, I had a million net worth when I was a senior. I got a half million from that deal, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I yeah. prom oh, was fun for you. I was too much of a nerd. Um, I, don't know. I don't know if I had time. <laughs> yeah, okay, I don't much. know how to talk to girls, but I'm worth more than anybody who yep. works at this school. Uh. <laughs> Um, oh my goodness. All right. So yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that you at least admitted like the yeah. luck of the timing played some role in the stock market, right? Uh, you know, it's it's 
always interesting to me when you get people on like the podcast and they're like, yeah. I made this perfect decision, perfectly timed. I knew it's yeah. like, eh, okay. But you're like, yeah, this was lucky. And then I pivoted into real estate. So pretty cool. And the real estate was pretty lucky too. I mean, the oil boom hitting, that was, that was pretty fortunate. It, I mean, absolutely. But you have clearly continued to run with it, which is phenomenal. Yeah. And so what was it just raw land that you bought with the 80? Like what did you, what was it that you rolled into? Uh, so I had 80, I had 80 grand from the stock market. And then, uh, these apartments for 1.25 million, it was a 16 plex two eight plex buildings. And I was short 300 grand. I went to my buddy's dad. He's a banker in the town of 200. I grew up in three hours from Bismarck. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, I need 1.25 million. Here's 80 grand. He's like, come on, like you need 300 grand more and a balance sheet. Right. Cause I'm like 10th grade. And, uh, so that's when I went to someone I didn't, I couldn't afford a lawyer. Because the 80 grand I had, I already wrote a contract, accepted purchase agreement with $20,000 hard non-refundable. So if I couldn't get the loan done, I'm going to lose 25% of my net worth at that time. <laughs> and uh, so I printed off the Warren Buffett 1956 partnership agreement, whited the names out. And that's what I used for my first deal just because I couldn't afford a lawyer. Uh, so that was kind of funny. Well, that's hilarious. <laughs> but what's even cooler to me there is... You're a sophomore in high school. You found these apartments and you threw 20 grand down hard for anyone listening. That's, you know, earnest money or whatever that you're not getting back. If you don't close on the property for any reason other than something's wrong with the actual property itself that, you know, doesn't pencil out. Yep. And that's a ballsy ass move for anybody. Ballsy or stupid. I think, I think it was more stupid at the time because I didn't know what I was doing, but yeah, ballsy for sure. Valid. Okay. Valid. How did you, okay. How did you even get into like wanting to find an apartment? I mean, how, well, I was, yeah, my family's been in real estate. My the family farm started back in 1901 roughly. And, and uh, at the time, again, I was doing anything to make money. I rented my grandparents and my parents machinery. My brother and I hauled it to South Dakota and we're custom combining for a farmer. And when we were driving the equipment back to start farming our stuff in Lansford, we drove through Bismarck on the way and uh, I saw a for sale sign and, it, you know, and when I get bored, my mind wanders and I just thought, gosh, you know, I'm, family's really in real estate. That always has been. Maybe I should cash out the stocks and do what is more familiar. And, and, and I did do some research back in the eighties, like Bismarck, when the first oil boom hit in the eighties, Bismarck took off. So I was researching patterns and I realized that this oil boom was started, but Bismarck was sitting there like there was nothing going on. So I'm like, odds are it should follow somewhat the same pattern. So there's a little research in this one compared to the first deal was, uh, oh, I'll put some money in Ford. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, but nonetheless, three hours away, you convince a guy to, how did, how did you convince somebody to invest in sophomore in high school, Andrew Abernathy? <laughs> with a million dollar. I mean, that's not something that a lot of people are like, some people struggle to do that, you know, 30 years down the road with a, uh, Oh, there's a word for when you have a bunch of certifications behind you, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. Yeah. They have a, they have a rap sheet that can, can help get her done. Yeah. And you know, for me, for me, I had to make it a no lose. So a no loss situation for the investor. So when I drew it up and I went to him, I said, Hey, you know, I'll manage it for free. I don't want to carry, you know, any profit on your money. And if we lose any money, my money can be first out. So like I literally made it like you, you, there's no reason you shouldn't do this, right? Like I made it a no loss situation for him in theory. Now there was risk still for him, but it was pretty diluted. 
dude, <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Good thing it worked out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but you know, I mean, at the end of the day, if you'd lost 80 grand as a sophomore in high school, yeah, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Start over. And I would have been like everybody else, no money. Yeah, yeah you'd be back to normal. <laughs> yeah, oh, start over, do it again. Oh my goodness. All right, so you sell the apartment complex, what, two years later for, it would have been what, 2.2, 2.3-ish? Yeah, it's about two something. And then we had some equity build, you know, from all the rents and mortgage being paid down. It was about 16 or 18 months. So yeah, we had a million bucks, half was mine. And then... um at that point, I'm like, I really like this. So I went and spent the money, the 12 or 15 grand. This is fun. <laughs> so I spent the 12 to 15 grand and I got a lawyer uh, to drop a private placement memorandum and I became a legit, you know, fund or company at the time. And and I told the lawyer, never mind you, at this time, I'm just going into college, 18, 19. And I told the lawyer, he's like, how much do you want to raise? I'm like, I don't know, 10 million. And he's just like, yeah, right. Sure enough, I think it was 50 took me about 15 or 10 months or something like that. I had 10 million more raised. And, and that was when I had to, I dropped out of college at that time. It was about a year into college. And, and I told my brother, I want to be passive. And that's when I went full time into the holdings. And never at, the holdings. at that time, were you still focused mainly on apartment complexes? No, I had an identity crisis at the time. You know, I was like any kid in their early twenties, late teens. Uh, wait, 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 I bought a little it. bit <laughs> different. I don't know if most of them were yeah, a little bit different. This, this this problem, but yeah, I guess I get where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. So from 2000 to just to sum it up, uh, the shares in 2012, December were about 37,000 each in Abernathy holdings, which is roughly the time you could say it kind of started. Um, from 2014 to 2017, uh, the shares went all the way from the 37 and 12 to about 70,000, um, in 2017. And, and that was from random deals. I mean, we bought an equipment dealership in Montana from a third generation family. We had um, some real estate in Fargo, North Dakota, HUD building, commercial building. We bought, we took controlling interest of an insurance company on the NASDAQ. And I got a, I got a, a law change to become a board member of the company when I was 24, because you have to be 30 years or older to be on a board of a public company. So I got an exemption from the state of Alabama. So that was a really cool experience. <laughs> Um, and then that was sold and went private, but anyways, everything was going great, but got my, my tushy kicked. I don't know if I can swear. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Uh, in 2017, in 2018, uh, I bought into a helicopter company and it was a great play. It was publicly traded. It was the largest helicopter leasing helicopter company in the world. The company had 2 billion in assets. We bought in at a $250 million valuation. We put in like 15 or so percent of our portfolio. And then I learned it pretty quick. If you don't have control of something, the who becomes management is out of your control. It got pretty ugly voluntarily when bankrupt. I launched a uh, lawsuit against the company and we did win. Um, so I was a lead plaintiff, really good experience. But when you win a lawsuit, you get pennies on the dollar still. But they did get in trouble and I was that was a good feeling. So the point though is our shares went from 37 to 70, then down to like 58, 60 after that loss. Um, and then that's when I learned I need, and that's, I did meet a North Dakota billionaire. He's my partner now. I met him, I cold called him when I was 20 and him and I started to get to know each other when I was 21-ish. He called me back and we started having pie and stuff. 
So anyways, through now fast forward to this point that Gary, he told me, Andrew, you're good at a lot of things, but you're not great at anything. And that's when I had to reinvent the whole model of Abernathy Holdings. All right. Just we'll get to that in a second. because That's super <laughs> profound. But before yeah. we do, we're going to dance around something that's not profound at all. Pie. Why? Why? Significance yeah. of pie. Is that a big North Dakota thing or yeah, you're well, like, yeah, this is yeah, how I don't know, this the billionaire breakfast. got to hang out. Yeah, we just we would meet up for like pie. I'm like, all right. Yeah, that's a funny story. So I'm laying in bed. I'm like 20, 21. My uncle sends me this article of the richest man in North Dakota and his picture and his story. He he became a billionaire from building like hundreds of hotels, started with nothing, vertical integration. He just had a sweetest model through Marriott. He like oh. convinced Marriott, like I can handle the clients as good as you. So he was like one of the first in the 80s to like let Marriott put their name on his buildings. And now they do that for everybody. But anyways, so I called his office in Fargo. I'm just like, hey, you don't know me from Adam. I mean, I grew up five hours from here. I'm just going to college here but I'd like to meet you. And it was a secretary and she's like, Oh, I'll call you back. And I'm like, okay, yeah, right. Good one. So that was it. And then six months later, I get this fall from this call from this Vegas number. And it, I'm about to say like, don't ever call me again. It's like a telemarketer, but it was him, Gary. And we talked and he said, let's go to the village Inn." and we met for like breakfast and then had some pie. And we just started meeting up weekly and he took me under his wing. Didn't invest at first but really just took me under his wing. And I don't know why. Because you were a 24 year old kid with the balls to call a billionaire. Yeah, maybe that's, that's why. And that ambition. I was, yeah. And, you, yeah, and, and you'd already done like, and you're like, you know, when, when he's like, oh, you know, another, just another kid. If, if he gets that many calls, right. He finally calls somebody back and you're like, yeah, yeah by the way, I've done this already. That, that says something. Yep. So, oh, uh, yeah. You know, it's like the, the best investment is people, right? So for some of those guys, it's like, this is somebody worth investing in. And so, and then, no. so that's a really profound, like it's such a simple statement, but to make sure I don't mess this up. Like you're good at a lot of things, but you're not great at anything. Kind of just a rewording of like the Jack of all trades piece, but it goes to, you know, talk about, you know, and I'm a fan of of bouncing and having shiny object and kind of the vertical integration side of a business for sure, as, as are you. But, you know, as yep. people talk about uh, it's like it's like bridges, right? If you try to build four bridges at once, you're never going to cross the the canyon. But if, if you yep. build the first bridge, then you can build the second, and then you can build the third and then you can build the fourth or whatever. And so people are like, wow, this billionaire has all these businesses. That's how to get rich. Most of them yep. made it with one thing and then everything else they it kind of coincides or synergistic but so you had to reinvent the wheel yep and i'm guessing that's where storage kind of came into the picture yeah correct. all right yeah that's good. a long way of I'm saying just that, continue to be like wait a whole where how did we do what? yeah hold on i'm lost <laughs> yes the whole story was to get to the storage and and you're correct i mean wealth is built on something and it's preserved on many. Um, you know, a lot of billionaires, majority of them are like a Warren Buffett, actually even Warren Buffett, he really didn't have that many investments for most of his life. Like now he's got 80 to 90 subsidiaries, but that is from accumulation. And most of those have been compounded and, and brought in over the past couple of decades. Yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah, Gary said, you know, that profound statement and I am, I'm good with, with constructive criticism and, and I took it, uh, I took it serious. 
And that's when I went to the drawing board after our pie. Uh, and I said, okay, what, what do I want to do? And I thought, well, I, I like real estate. I mean, every time I've done good at the businesses, cause we've been in a few operating companies, as I've told you, but every time I did real estate, they were even better. It just, it always worked. And so I said, um, what kind of real estate? So then I, I was, I went all the way down to assisted living and self-storage. And I decided to pick self-storage because, um, it's simple like farming. There's no tenants and toilets and all this crazy stuff. But the other thing that I liked and what Gary was intrigued by, I said, Gary, for the, this was in 17 for the first time in storage history, the merit, the Marriott of storage, the public and the extra space and the cube, they're sparks. They're starting to do third party management. They will put their name on our building. We can own it just like you did with Marriott 1982. And also at the time, 95% of storage is mon pa owned. There is a huge consolidation wave coming and I think we need to be in the forefront of it. So Gary got Jack. He's like, we jumped on his plane, went up to California, Salt Lake City, met with extra space in public. He came with me and on the flight back, he said, Andrew, this is your billion dollar idea. So that was, that was, that was the start of it. Yep. So I sold everything off. And put the cash in a pile and went nuts. Yeah. And built a team. Yeah. Okay. There we go. I was going to say, it went nuts. He did not. It was just me. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's super cool to have somebody who's as invested as that and can, you know, help you help point you at like, hey, this is a great, great idea. Um, yep. I mean, that's some real clarity and that's, that's phenomenal. Felt good. Yeah. Yeah. And then he did it best. Um, because it was after one of them was done. I was in Vegas and with him sitting there. And uh, I said, you know, I kind of blacked out. It's like when you ask your wife to marry you, you black out. I said something like, Gary, I'm ready. I I feel like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, how about we go 50-50 and everything you do? You know, deal. So he is our partner in every facility. Uh, him him and I are on the bank loans. Uh, we talk pretty much daily now. And, and it has been, honestly, pinch me, I'm dreaming. I just... It's what an honor. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. It certainly helps with the key principal side of things. You know, and you got to get yes. a loan done. Like, yeah, this guy's, this guy's got your, got you covered on the personal financial statement. Um, Especially now because it's tough to get money now. So that sets us apart in these markets. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you, you decide you're doing this, you go all in. What does that look like? I mean, you said you built a team, but I mean, obviously it was not like I bought $250 million. That was this, you know, six months ago. And here we are. Yeah. So, so we only develop ground up. Uh, we build in major cities. We have a five-step strict criteria. We need you know eighty to one hundred thousand people, three mile radius, eighty to one hundred thousand household income, vehicles per day, rental rates. We use the brands. So like right now, public storage is our main one. We own the property, and then we also created the verticals. So I wrote on a whiteboard. Okay, we need a construction company. We need a garage door dealership. We need a land acquisition team. We need an entitlement team, right? Kind of made all the things. And then I said, okay, I'm a big passion guy. Um, so we already had an equipment dealership. So we kept that because we rent our own equipment when we're doing construction. So I had a guy already hired president and I look for passion. When I go to a table and I throw equipment out, which who turns their heads and is like jacked, right? So I had that guy. And then I got introduced to another guy that does the same thing with storage. He's been in it for like 15 years looking for this opportunity to go full-time all in. But this guy like lives in dream storage. I'm like, perfect. Here you're there. Found a construction um, company and manager. Same thing. Loves it. Been doing it for 40 years. And we just accumulated this team. 
And um, I'm a Warren Buffett model of, you know, I don't, de- I'm not a micromanager. I like to delegate and I create silos and then they all work together. Um, so built the team up. We did one to start, kind of got the model tested, figured out what was good and what was bad about it. And then, then we just went crazy. I mean, our land guys find a new site every couple of weeks. I mean, the goal is to open a new facility every single month in 2025. And that's going to be about a quarter billion a year annually in development. And we don't sell. We keep them. That's So this is portfolio is just growing behind us. Yeah, that's monstrous. That's, I mean, yeah, that's kind of gnarly. Neat. And like you said, your IRRs are much better because your costs are a lot lower with, well, I guess you actually yep. said that before we started to record. Um, yeah, so the, to, to do that math, it's, um, average IRR blended is about 20%. Um, for just if you were to do retail, just no verticals, we add about 4% um, IRR because of our verticals, which you add that up over a few yeah. years on multiple properties. Yeah, it, it'll, your money will, what I'd have to do the actual math in my head, 36, it, like every 18 years, that's an additional double on your cash or something like that. Yep. So, and it's up front. That 4% is before the doors open. So it's all about recycling cash, right? Because we had to raise over 80 million. But I've been able to retain personally 32% of the company. And the goal is not have to sell any more shares. So if I don't want to sell shares, I got to recycle the cash. So it's all about, okay, if I outlay 5 million cash for that project, half Gary, half us. So two and a half, get back 600 net of my employees. Now I'm only one nine in before the doors open. Well, that just gets me that much closer to getting it all back. And then it's just a snowball. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's super, super, super cool. And so you, you said you only really buy in like the Arizona, California areas for now. I, I'd, I'd imagine you're probably going to have to scale past that at some point as you go to three and a half billion goal in the next 10 years. But if you're buying, if you're trying to build a facility every month, quarter million or quarter billion a year in volume, what's your average size for a f- storage facility? What's the average? I mean, it, that's not a, like, they're not a quick, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's, Steel buildings are fairly quick to erect compared to a lot of things, depending on zoning. But they're still like they're massive facilities. So it's not like, hey, I put out a house every week or every month. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah, lot. There's a lot that goes into this. I mean, you're you're saying a month, one every month. Like, what's your normal like build time? What's your normal size? I'm curious on how the the timeline pencils out on this. So to get to that point, you have to have all the divisions ahead of each other. So like our land team is working a year and a half ahead of our construction team, right? Because the construction team needs to have a bucket. I look at it like buckets. So in between the two silos, between the entitlement and acquisition and the construction, there's a bucket. Well, that bucket needs to be filled and not be empty of entitled shovel ready sites. So that's what the entitlement acquisition team is in charge of. That bucket can never go empty. And then when the construction team, all the supers and PMs are ready, they, they pluck out of that bucket. And the goal is to make sure the bucket doesn't get too full or too low. If it's too full, you got too much non-producing assets. It's not income producing. If it gets too little, well, then you're putting a bottleneck on your goals. So, so it's about a year, year and a half there. California's a little longer. Construction's about 10 to 12 months. So to answer your question, yeah, you have to basically have 12 projects simultaneously happening to get to that one a month, man, that's, yeah, that's a lot. And you have to have 24 sites to 30 sites in the bucket 
or in entitlement acquisition phase, I should say. Yeah. And then, I mean, and you got to deal, you know, this is full commercial. So you got to deal with your normal, uh, all your environmentals and all your actual is it's a little bit more complex for sure than a normal build. Although again, the actual like building of the, the structures don't you start pretty quick. Uh, I mean, I've seen those things go up fairly quickly. One of my buddies, uh, the guy that I mentioned before we talked, you know, he, he added on and like doubled, doubled his units or whatever, his doors, um, and his first unit. And, uh, you know, it, it was pretty cool to watch how quickly they were able to do that once they got it all approved and how, you know, they're filling it out, like the numbers on it, like storage is a, a pretty lucrative endeavor clearly because you're able to make a 20, 24% IRR on new build, which is not normal for most asset classes. This takes a long time because even once it's open, industry standard is three years to stabilization. Now, our site selection has proven to be awesome because we have like a site, for example, in Goodyear or Gilbert, Arizona that opened in December and it's already 70% full. So we're filling ours in half the time. So that really shaves off because if you got a year entitlement, a year construction, three years, I mean, you're looking at five to six years as industry standard before you can refi. So really there's a lot of money in the world. There's not much patient money. And that's our, one of our niches too, is we have patient money. We don't do dividends, never have like Warren Buffett. So we have people that don't need the money. It's for wealth growth. And then we also have the PG and the bank financing that most don't have, especially in markets or uh, times like this. Yeah. That's a really good point for sure. Uh, it, it's not necessarily that it's cost prohibitive because the returns are there. It's time prohibitive. Yeah. Most people are not going to take the time to be like, oh yeah, storage. Like that sounds like the best thing to build it, yeah. in five years. I'll be able to start making money and or for three years, I'll be able to start making money after I put this capital in and by year five, I might be able to refinance out my capital and do it again. Like the world's yep. slowest burr. Um, it's, that's a hard thing. Yeah. And the, yeah, the, the 20 to 24% blended IRR that's blended for the five years, right? It's not like you can just go a year in, like you got to you're committed. Yeah. Like it's not a, Oh, I'm a year in, I'm going to cash out my 24% return. No, it's a, that's a blended <laughs> return. You know, you gotta, you're committed. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we've got the vertical integration, the story, the, the outline, and you guys are, going nuts. So like you said, quarter billion a year, Joel is three and a half billion by 2032. Uh, talk to me though, about the Abernathy foundation briefly. I know yeah. uh, I did. I see that and you know, I'm looking at it and uh, you know, this is actually pretty cool because what you guys support, uh, I don't know if you've noticed an uptick from us yet, but I mean the, the uh, sound of freedom just came out and I'm, I mean, it's, it's been cool. This is a cause that I get behind. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's cool to see people kind of rallying behind that now. So, yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's, it's a passion project. I actually made a trip to Chiang Mai, Thailand in January and, and saw firsthand and met some of our partners. So, you know, the biggest thing for us is, you know, I've learned that giving money efficiently and effectively is just as hard as making money efficiently and effectively. I mean, you can give a dollar to anybody but how do you do it efficiently? Like, so what we've done is we find partners across 40 different countries and we, we invest in them. Right. So if they, if they don't, for example, if they don't know how to raise money, 
we'll send them the materials and teach them how to raise money. Or if we need a house built, we'll hire someone local. So every dollar we've donated on average turns into $9.73. So there's an ROI. It's, it's, it's multiplied to give back. Um, you know, and we all know there's 50 million people in trafficking throughout the world and 13 and a half million of them are kids. So it's going there and actually doing that trip and standing in the red light district and seeing kids literally living in that fear, like not just hearing about it, but actually living it was a surreal moment for me and lit a huge fire. Um, so we have done this thing called on the side of Abernathy because Abernathy foundation is really just a conduit. I bring in people that are really good at making money, but don't have the time to give. And I've created a team there, just like I've created a team for the for-profit business to do this effectively and efficiently. I don't take a dime. Abernathy Holdings is simply a conduit to try to help fight this, this great fight. And so we, there's another thing that we partner with called calling guardians. And what that really is, is companies, they sign up and they do a dollar per day per employee to, to go to the fight and the company will match it. So it's cool. So most companies are like, Hey, if you want to donate money, let us know, maybe we'll match it. No, this is the company says, we're going to donate a dollar every day. When you come to work, you, you can match us if you want, but we're doing it regardless. And that that's, you wake up, you come to work, you're, 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 you're fighting the fight. So I always say on these podcasts, I say, whenever I do, and I'll do it right now, if 200 people sign up on this podcast, employees, 200 employees for any amount of companies, I will personally match it that's to go to the fight every so that's you know about $48,000 commitment on my end right now that's phenomenal. so I do that on every podcast that's super cool and and uh, yeah again I love the mission and I love the ah that's awesome <laughs> yeah it's it is awesome it's drums I got goosebumps it's uh it uh it really does mean a lot and it's it's greater than any dollar made I mean yeah my 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 sister's a doctor one's a teacher my brother's a farmer I believe you're put on this planet to use your talent to do good. And for me, I'm good at making money, but it's just to go and do good with it. Just like my sister changes minds and health and food and every other sibling of ours. So I you were about to say changes her mind. No one just wants to do all that, but I got what you're thinking of. Now. Yeah. Um, you're good at building, making money for sure. But there's also something else there that, you know, we haven't actually touched on. And I want to just briefly hit on before we kind of, bring this interview to a close. And that is, you mentioned it even for the Abernathy Foundation that you built a team. So you've mentioned you're good at making money, which, okay, yes, you, you did that, you know, stock market, first apartment complex, everything else. But I think what's more impressive is for anyone who's running a business or uh, has done anything at scale, especially with construction involved, to know what you're able to pull off right now, uh, anybody can see that that takes a pretty incredible team outlay, you know, like you mentioned the different silos, but like a lot of people can't build a company. So what, what were some of the things that were pivotal for you in learning how to, I mean, was it being around mentors or there specific books that you were just like, you know, do you run off EOS? I'm just kind of curious, like how in the world do you quickly, cause it was pretty quick relatively build that team in multiple different companies at the like simultaneously talking to each other. Most people don't scale vertically at once. Like, yeah, just, yeah, it was kind of a lot of, (laughs) no, it's a good question. I think a lot of it is mentorship. I've always been a curious person since 10 years old and a lot of books. I mean, traction, obviously read that book. That's a great, great book. And, um, you know, shoe dog, you know, it's about the Nike story. 
I love, you know, the men who built America and I, I can go on forever. Like I literally daily am listening or watching a show or a book about uh, somebody that's done it. And then obviously the firsthand experience with Gary and I look for rhythms. I look for things that rhyme and every single one of them, you know, these, these companies were not built on two hands and actually working on the business, not in the business is the most important thing I had to learn coming from the farm. You worked in it and on it, but mostly in it. So I had to learn how to work on it and not feel weird about that. So yeah, my talent is bringing great people together, making sure they get paid very well. The best ROI is in your people. I love giving equity away and, um, and letting them do their job and be a cheerleader. And that's what I'm good at. Um, and I, I'm good at that because I've, I've, I've honed that talent because I knew I had to be good at it to do what I want to create. I've always wanted to build a billion dollar business and I could not do it any other way from my research. And that's, that's my thoughts anyways. No, I think you're spot on. Yeah. You, you absolutely need a team to do any of that. And I think that's, I think that's really, yeah, that's solid. Yeah. The mentorship piece plays a huge role, all solid books. Uh, I appreciate that. So, all right. Yeah. Is it, what have we missed? We've, we've, we've been chatting for 40 minutes now. Yeah. Well, the most important thing I always like, I have a beautiful wife of seven years and I've got three boys, five and under. I'm so proud of, you know, those are things that sometimes you get rolling on all this, but like, that is my core. That's my center. That's my, that's my life. Um, and I do all this for all of us. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. That is, that is definitely, I did miss that in the intro. And that's I, okay. I, yeah. I, 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 you know, it's, it, at the end, I always bring it. It's just something I just, I'm so proud of. That's my biggest prize. Yeah, that's awesome. That is, I mean, and yeah. good luck with you having five boys that all want to, you know, go buy stocks <laughs> when they're 10 and oh, go yeah. take on the world. We do a lot of lemonade stands at our house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I know. I was just talking to my son about that. Like two days ago, he had a a slushy, you know, or a, like a, a, a fro, whatever the like snow cone is. And it had melted all the way down. He's like. I'm going to make these and sell them when I get a little older. And I was like, you could do that right now. You'd probably that. be better off right now. Cause you're still, you're still cute. Now? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like door to door when you're like 12, when rather than lemonade stand, people are much less likely, I think to stop than when you're, yeah. when you're do it when you're 18, you're like, who the hell is yeah. that creep? <laughs> hey, quarter, hey. quarter for a glass of lemonade. <laughs> oh, man, that's oh, nice. I love it. Um, where can people get a hold of you? Obviously this is uh you know, I'd imagine you've got a, a website for the PPM and, you know, where would you like people to be able to reach out and find you for more information to follow along with your <laughs> wild ride that you're on, which is just <laughs> super cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I got it. So I got andrewabernathy.com. It's a personal page and that kind of links you to everything. Um, but, you know, abernathyholdingco.com is in there. You can follow that link to our company. We have a foundation page. And then I'm also on the social medias, you know, Andrew J. Abernathy on Facebook and LinkedIn and and uh, and Instagram. So, yeah, jump in. I, I always love sharing family and business and just kind of the real life stuff. You know, I'm not the whole look at my Ferrari stuff. I mean, I drive a Jeep with a cracked window. So it's just it's more about the journey and the fun. I like building stuff. So some of these storage facilities are beautiful, by the way. Yeah, thank even, you. Oh, I, I didn't even think to ask. And now I'm looking is most of your stuff is internal corridor uh, yeah most of it so each one's about 16 million each project 15 to 16 and they're about 800 to a thousand units each about 100 to 130,000 gross feet and we fit them all in about three acres so we're very efficient on dirt i mean again i'm a nerd we talked about that from the start yeah. 
I uh, have a down to a science or the team does. And I, I love talking with them about it. So. Yeah, no, this looks, this is solid. These are beautiful. This is really cool. Thank you. I look forward to following the journey and I really appreciate you coming on the show to share your story, brother. This has been, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you. It has been an honor. This has been so much fun.